You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Tuesday night, January 17th, year of our Lord, 2023. I cannot grade you on what you think you may become. I simply grade you on what you are being right now. That is the nature of a job approval rating. We are continuing that jam-packed high atop a tranquil downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, friends, we were so successful. You enjoyed so much the aspect of head coaching Job approval ratings the other night. Well, we're just throwing four more at you tonight. And unlike the other night when it was kind of steady as you go, things were happy. We didn't get below, I think, a B. We've We've got a C on the board tonight. We've got a guy in the D range on the board tonight. Not good. So we're going to talk about that. Locker room audio leaks. Since it wasn't time sensitive, I have not shared my thoughts with you on this... This whole thing with Kirby Smart and pregame audio and whatnot, but tonight, I feel, is an appropriate night to comment on such things. And, because I know that you may have little Jimmy or Teddy in the car and you couldn't let them listen to the unfiltered version, Director Colin has been working for the better part of 48 hours on censoring it to the point where we can play it on the show. And, Colin, even though it's like a minute long, it did take you that long. So, Paper Pop City, we're going that route tonight. Jim Harbaugh staying, staying like he never left because he didn't. Head coach at Michigan, secured for another year. Got some thoughts there. Just because it feels like nothing's going to change doesn't always mean nothing's going to change. Also, there will be a shout-out tonight to some of the more underappreciated aspects of what it takes to win in college football and football in general. We have got a jam-packed show. Thank you so much for being tuned in. They are tuned in in Across Lanes, West Virginia, Redford, Virginia, and Athens, Georgia. Why not? Athens, Georgia. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina. I saw them tuned in, too. So thank you guys so much for that. So I, it's one of those shows. You know, sometimes it's very, very clear what you should lead with. And other times, it's like you could go any direction. So we rolled the dice, and you know what it came up on? It came up on Jim Harbaugh. None of these segments are going to be like 15 minutes long tonight, but I got to talk to you for a second about the head coach at Michigan coming back. Colin, here's a better endpoint for you. Jim Harbaugh. Not going to the Broncos. Jim Harbaugh, not going to be coaching on Sundays unless there's a weather situation with a Michigan game that postpones the game 24 hours. He's staying in Ann Arbor. Now, in just a second, I'm going to show you a couple of statements. But before we talk about that, obviously this is huge for Michigan. Now, aside from just on the surface keeping your head coach being a big deal, they are obviously cruising at an altitude they haven't cruised at under him. I mean, they're, they're very, very lofty right now. 25-3 25-3 and three over the past two years. A couple of Big Ten championships in a row. Remember, wasn't too long ago. I mean, it was 30 months ago, maybe, where you thought you would never win one up there, much less two, or certainly maybe outside of the fan base. Outsiders thought, oh, he's never going to get it done. Well, he got it done. Then he got it done again. Well, they're never going to go to the playoff. Well, he got it done. Then he got it done again. Now, there, there's a group out there that thinks if you don't win the national championship, you're a failure. And so that group probably still not impressed with Jim Harbaugh. Outside of that group, I would call that maybe like a fringe minority over there. Uh, They're they're on the far side of the spectrum. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying you got to be a little more realistic with your expectations. Outside of that, I think people realize Jim Harbaugh's done a great job up there. Is the flirtation done? That's the question that a lot of people are asking. And I think that in some ways can't be answered by anyone but Jim Harbaugh himself. But number two, I think it has a lot to do with how his new contract is structured. Keep that in mind. Those of you who are Michigan fans know where I'm about to go. Those of you who are Texas Tech fans probably haven't been following this all that close. You know there were rumors of Harbaugh in the NFL, and now he didn't go, and he's coming back, and he's coming back because of the graphic we're about to show you. This got released yesterday. If you were kind of 
out of touch and you just rely on the show to fill you in. Thank you, and we will fill you in. Jim Harbaugh put out a statement yesterday because that's how you announce such things these days. You put something that looks strikingly similar to a Pokemon card on Twitter, and Jim Harbaugh's statement said, I love the relationships I have in Michigan. Coaches, staff, families, administration. Pay attention here. President Santa Ono, and especially the players and their families, my heart is at the University of Michigan. I once heard a wise man say, don't try to out happy happy. Go blue. And then President Santa, as I call him, President Santa put out a statement as well. It's not what was said there. It's what wasn't said. It's not the names who were mentioned. It's not the coaches. It's not the staff and the families and the admin. It's not the president. Does anyone who understands the structure of a college athletic department, does anyone notice peculiarly a name left out there? Ward Manual, maybe? I don't know, the athletic director at Michigan. Now, if you follow the day-to-day around this program, you've known it doesn't seem like there's been a whole lot of love lost between those two parties. It's felt sort of icy and chilly for a little while between those two, but thus far, that had remained sort of inside Michigan circles. I hadn't even spoken about it on this show uh, because I didn't really think it was mainstream enough to talk about, but to quote Hulk Hogan, brother, when you put that out there, that's meant for the world to see. That's meant for you to read between the lines. And certainly, if not the casual fan, the more informed fan and industry people are meant to look at that and say, not, oh, good for Jim. It's meant to look at and say, where in the world's Ward Manual? Did he quit? Did Ward Manual retire? He's still there, right? Let me check. Type, 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 type. Yeah, it's, Wikipedia says he's still there. Well, he's certainly not on Harbaugh's Pokemon card or Santa's Pokemon card. Out of context, late kick. So what's happening up there? I think a certain amount of that is a behind-the-curtain situation. But the other part is, moving forward, the guy's got to have a new contract. And I think they're actively working on a new contract up there. That's not any breaking news. But why do they have to work on a new contract? This is where you got to check yourself back in a little bit. Because you, you may know some things about Michigan that you just forgot. Because maybe you're not a Michigan fan. So if I were to jog your memory... You probably remember Harbaugh almost left before, but even before that, they were underachieving. And it looked like he may be fired. Wasn't that long ago, there was a movement to fire Jim Harbaugh. We raised the mic a little bit so I can hide behind it. It's almost like a fired. And he instead accepted a restructured contract. And restructured is a vague term. How much did he restructure himself voluntarily? Well, he is the sixth highest paid coach in the Big Ten Conference right now. And for a guy that's won the conference back-to-back years and a guy who's been in the playoffs back-to-back years, I think it stands to reason he will not be the sixth highest paid coach in his conference very long. How highly will he be paid? And then the follow-up from people like me who are watching this from the outside is what kind of conditions are going to be placed in that contract? Now, I have a hunch that is, is merely observational. But my hunch is certain people, Ward Manual probably included, have gotten pretty tired of watching Jim Harbaugh flirt with the NFL every year. I say every year. It's happened two years. But it feels like it's, it's become a constant now. And if you don't restructure a deal to guard against that, it may always be a constant because it's obvious the guy wants to coach on Sundays. I, I don't fault him for that. I'm just saying if I'm an innocent bystander, it's not my business. If I'm the athletic director of the University of Michigan, if I'm a fan even, especially if I give my time and my money to that program, it is my business. And so I, I want to take countermeasures against that. I don't mind paying him. We already paid him once. I don't mind us paying him again, especially on the back end of him delivering results for us. But you know what I want? I want some assurances on my end. And it's not merely going to be him looking me in the eye and telling me, I'm not going to the NFL. Mm-mm. I want a pretty big buyout built into that deal. And there is some speculation out there that I don't think is too far off base that maybe the hang-up with the contract has been that they want to put an inordinately high buyout in his new deal in exchange for paying him all this money. And on the streets, that would sound something like this. You want us to invest fully in you? Then invest fully in us. You want us to pay you top dollar? then agree to this. If you're really not going to leave, it doesn't matter how big the buyout is, $10 or $10 million. But we don't want to have to look over our shoulder constantly for the Panthers or the Vikings, the Broncos. That could be the hang-up there. We'll see. But you know what it does sound like? It sounds like management has been worked around. Jesse, Colin, should we try this? 
Should, should I work around management and just go straight to the president? Should I? Hmm. Let's workshop this off air. Uh, but that's essentially what Jim Harbaugh did. You know, Jim Harbaugh's got someone he's supposed to answer to if you look at the flowchart at Michigan, and instead he put out a Pokemon card graphic in which he never even so much as mentioned that superior on the flowchart, and instead he mentioned the guy at the very, very top of the food chain, who is new, by the way. That's a new president up there, and you know how cool it makes you feel? Number one, if your name is Santa, and number two, if the head coach is shouting you out instead of his direct superior? Santa Ono's gotten a lot of points up there. Oh, it didn't help or it didn't hurt his cause that he took a little swipe at Adam Schefter. I saw that. I thought that was pretty shrewd. So a lot going on. And you know what else is going on? Michigan has the one, two, three, four. They got the fifth best odds to win the 2023 national championship, which will be played in 24, but you get the point. Uh, Jesse tells me, Jesse, get in my ear and tell me if I'm wrong because it's been three hours since we had this convo. Jesse tells me of all like the top 15 odds to win the national title, Michigan is the only one who moved up. In other words, Michigan's the only one that either some money came in on or Vegas looked at and said, ooh, we need to adjust that a little bit. We're not gonna give you quite as big a payout if you bet Michigan and they win. I hear silence in my ear. I will take that as a complicit endorsement that what I just said is accurate. They've done good in the portal. They've done very good in development. I think the big question now is, since there's some certainty, a little bit of stability for the time being at head coach, and you put that Pokemon card graphic in front of recruits and say, look, he says he's coming back. How are we going to do there? They're currently 17th. They're signing class right now, 17th. And that would be the lowest finish since the 2018 cycle if it were to turn out that way. The second signing day is still a little less than half a month away or so. So we'll see how that turns out. But now that there's some stability, we'll see how that works. They have the ninth, I thought I just saw the ninth highest uh, ranked class in the portal right now. But look, they've got a ton of experience coming back next year. So it's not like they're depleted or anything to the point where they're desperate for true freshmen to come in and save them. No, they got a lot of horses coming back. They'll be very, very good this upcoming year. So it looks like they're primed for yet another run. Ohio State has to come to them. And now we know who the head coach there is going to be. This was what was going to interest me. Like, sometimes you see jobs come open, and it's because the other guy's done a really poor job. Well, if this job were to have come open, what a golden opportunity for someone to parachute in there if they kept the talent on campus. McCarthy back at quarterback, Corum back at running back. You've got a really, really good roster already outside of the household name brand type guys. Someone was going to be able to win immediately if you hired the right guy. So that's, that's a moot point. That's not going to happen. Jim Harbaugh stays. And, um, you know, for those who follow on social, I put out a similar statement about the statement yesterday at Late Kick Josh, if you were interested. Academy Sports and Outdoors and we, not just I, but we, have a very special relationship, a partnership. You know, we don't put out statements where we work around Academy, nor does Academy put out statements where they work around us. It's very harmonious. We are, we are locked, not hand in hand, but arm in arm. That's how you know it's serious. Anyone can hold hands. Not everyone locks arms. We lock arms with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Why? Because they give us everything that we could ever need and, and some stuff that we just want, frankly. And so in turn, we don't have to pay a dime to do this show. And you don't have to pay a dime to watch the show. And here's the other beneficial part. They also have things that you need. Clothing, accessories, grills, canopies, tents, anything that you could need that involves the outdoors and beyond, you can find at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every time that I do an ad read, inevitably, I'm going to look at my DMs or my email, and someone's going to say, not for me, they don't. And I say, ha like Eddie Murphy in the outtakes on Coming to America, ha Yes, they do. It's just on the intro net. It's on academy.com. You don't even have to type in all those words back there on that monitor. Just academy.com, and they've got you set. They've got everything you need. It's great for gift giving. If you want to be a little more, dare I say, self-serving, it's good for you. It's good for us. It's good for me. It's good for everyone. All right, here we go. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get uncomfortable here for just a second. Scratch that. If you're not a fan of these programs, it's going to be really fun for you. Paper pot nonetheless. Job approval ratings. This is not what you could be. This is what you have been and you are. And we've got to judge this on a curve, okay? Some programs are capable of more than other programs. So 
If you're this first guy we're about to talk about and you're underachieving at a place where you want for nothing, you're going to get graded harshly. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's bringing home a C- minus tonight. Jesse said that I should have gone lower. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just that teacher everyone wants. C- minus is where I went here. We've got some stats. Uh, they are damning, to say the least. This one's from Brett McMurphy. What? I can't believe this. There is one college football coach. Period. One. That's the end of the list. There's one college football coach that has started in the top six three times and finished unranked, and his name's Jimbo Fisher. Two of those times have been at Texas A&M, the most recent this past year. Sure, you could come back at me and make the argument I make sometimes. Don't be mad at a team for not fulfilling their end of the bargain. Be mad at the people who rank the team too high. Now, I will grant you, maybe Texas A&M was just a smidge overrated in the top 10. So forget about it being the top six. What if we placed him at 17th coming into this past year? Was that, was that more fair? I think it would have been. Well, they still finished five and seven either way. I could have ranked them 40th and they wouldn't have lived up to the 40th build ranking in the country. They're underachieving. This is not year two or year three. See, if they go five and seven in year one or year two, there's a number of reasons why that could be happening. You go five and seven in year five, at a place like Texas A&M, that's never going to be acceptable. There is no list of excuses. And to their credit, uh, Texas A&M fans didn't attempt to make the excuses for Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher's got a way he carries himself. Now, I've never been rubbed the wrong way by it uh, for the same reason I'm not rubbed the wrong way by Stetson Bennett. Some people think Stetson Bennett's a jerk. I couldn't care less about it. He's never been that way to me personally, but even if he had, I'm not five years old, so I don't need to take it personally. I can just judge the guy for his accomplishments on the field. I've never had a problem with Jimbo Fisher, and he's come at me before. Need I take you back to the signing day show last year? The genesis of sliced bread. Sliced bread was born that day. Well, who do you think he was doing an interview with? Ding, ding, ding. I didn't have a problem with that. I didn't have an ounce of animosity towards Jimbo Fisher after that. I don't have a problem with you carrying yourself any way you want to. But if you're a little prickly, then understand people are going to be just as quick on the other side of the fence when you slip up to start bringing out the torches and the pitchforks. Maybe not even me, but I'm the one who has to grade you tonight. C minus. 2023 is a make or break year here. I rarely traffic in that sort of hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. Ask folks around the program. Don't ask me. It's their program. It's not my program. Um, he just brought in Bobby Petrino, offensive coordinator. We talked about that a couple of times on the show. Necessary. And I think will be beneficial. But I don't know that. But he better know that. No, there are no certainties out there. But he better be really, really, really sure it's just a wobbly program right now. It's an uncertain program right now. Now, I happen to believe that this exodus of players, some of whom they probably never should have brought in there, is not going to be nearly as detrimental. In fact, sometimes that's the opposite of the consequence that some people think it will be. Sometimes you bring some guys in in the signing class like they had last year, and then some of them are problem kids, and they immediately leave, and you think, uh-oh, look at all that talent they're losing. There is a such thing in this sport as addition by subtraction. They're not going to hurt for players this year in College Station, Texas, but they do have some holes to fill, and they do have, obviously, entire facets of this football team that are unproven, and they don't have two or three years leeway to figure it out. So right now, this is not a prediction segment. C minus. See, just get me back to eight wins. We thought that was the baseline. It's not. Now we're trying to fight to get back to the eight-win range. Texas A&M should be so much better than that. So much better. All right, let's go to a place where they're doing okay. They're doing pretty good in Columbus, Ohio, I would say. Ryan Day. Again, we're doing this kind of... I didn't turn the volume all the way down over here. We're doing this relative to what your resources are, therefore what your expectation level should be. What should Ryan Day reasonably be expected to do? My answer would be compete for the Big Ten every year and compete for the playoff spots every year. And he's, he's done that. The problem is... Lately, past two years, can't get past Michigan. Didn't stop him from getting in the playoff this past year. It did the year before. All right. Follow me here. This could be an answer where when I give it, I got to give a moment's pause. So I think I'll do that in honor of the people who are going to yell at me. I'm giving Ryan Day a B plus. Jeopardy music, Jeopardy music, Jeopardy music. Okay, we're back. 
Ohio State is in a really good position. There is so much further they could fall down than room for them to climb. There is a balance that I have to strike here because I'm the one giving the approval rating, and I'm sure the comment section will, will be very, very colorful when it comes to this particular guy because there's a polarized college football public out there when it comes to the perception of Ryan Day. I know the ones of you who are disagreeing with me disagree because you think Harbaugh's right about him. The guy was born on third base, thinking he hit a single, and he had it handed to him. And, and just any fool, I, I could pull a toucan out of a tree and he could do what Ryan Day's done. Can you beat Michigan? Can you win a national championship? Well, part B of that, he was a missed field goal away from doing this this past December and January. I know that doesn't really do you any good if you're living in Akron, Ohio right now because he missed the field goal. Well, he didn't miss it. His kicker missed the field goal, and he didn't get to go play for a national title, which he most assuredly would have won. But I do think in those terms. I don't think there's anything different about Ryan Day, the coach, making that field goal and going and dragging TCU versus missing it and going home and being 0 for 2 your last two games to end the season. But he will be graded vastly different because one scenario played out over the other. All I'm telling you is I think he's pretty good. I think he's really good. And I do not think that there are massive changes, just small degrees of changes that have to be made here. But there's this other camp that may think I'm grading him too low. There's a camp that says, how could you say that a guy who's won just about as many games as anyone through for his first 50 in the history of college football, how could you only give him a B plus? 99% of the sport would kill to have that record. Well, my response is Ohio State's the 1%, and so it's not quite good enough. It's not, it's not way not good enough. It's just not quite good enough. Beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, and compete for a championship, at the very least, are the, the three dominoes you're wanting to knock down every year if you're Ohio State. Having said that, it sounds like I've made both arguments. There's a price you pay for having this job. It doesn't sound like it. You make a bunch of money. You get put on the biggest stage the sport has to offer, one of which the sport has to offer. And you did not have to work your way up the head coaching ladder to get it. doesn't sound like there's a price to pay. But there is. There's not many coaches out there under more pressure right now than Ryan Day. Uh, this past month, I think, probably was pretty hellacious up there for that coaching staff. And it's because of the price you pay. It's, it's the kind of pressure it's a privilege to be under, but that doesn't mean it's any less pressure-packed. So I'm giving Ryan Day a B plus. I still believe in him. Still believe in him. I saw a lot of you calling him Ryan one day in the chat the other night. And I think that that was a little bit hurtful. And I think some of you should think about where your heart is when you type that sort of thing. Shame on you. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Could I direct your attention to Columbia, South Carolina? This one, out of the four we're doing tonight, I think we'll get the widest range of grades. Remember, it's a letter grade system here, and you can go minus, equal, or plus. Shane Beamer, South Carolina, what job approval grade are you giving him? Because I could not go any lower than an A minus. There were some games this past year where I watched and I said, woof, the Florida game among them. But if I'm going to go back to past years, when he's only been there too, if I'm going to go back to these t- past two years, I'm not going to grade him on a single game. I got to grade him in totality, right? And all I know about the guy, this is pretty straightforward, is he's had two shots at it there. He did not inherit a loaded program by any stretch of the imagination. 
he was hired for a reason, in other words. The job was open for a reason. It's not because someone went to the NFL. So he inherited a situation. Uh, the over has hit two years in a row. His two years there, when it comes to the win total, he's overachieved two years in a row. In this past season, it wasn't loading up on a bunch of inferior competition. They beat Tennessee soundly. They beat Clemson. I did not think his first two years were going to include a win over Clemson because of how big a head start Clemson as a program had over what Shane Beamer inherited. This is not the University of Georgia right now. It's not Ohio State. It's not Alabama. I'm not sitting here looking at eight wins the same way I would if Nick Saban put up an eight-win season. Eight wins is a huge deal considering where they were 24 months ago. And you're looking at some things that he's accomplishing right now that you would have to go back to the latter portion of the Steve Spurrier era to remember back-to-back, well, not back-to-back, but two wins over top 10 teams in the same season. They hadn't done that since 2013. That's Steve Spurrier. That's That's a while back. And also... There's an energy the fan base has. Now, I've felt this since the day he was hired because he was their guy. And it's one of those situations where the fans want someone, they get him, and early on, it's working out. And the good news when you're watching South Carolina is not only is it working out, but there's still obviously so much room for improvement. So it's not like they're, they're peaking the scale. It's not like they've got the pedal all the way down to the floor and Shane Beamer's leaning his head out the window saying, hope you're enjoying it. This is as good as we expect it to ever get. They could get they could get better. They certainly could. I think there's a different gear in recruiting they're still capable of hitting. A proof of performance, like a proof of product, is important in the media business. That's when advertisers say, you want us to spend that money with you? Show us why we should. Where are the numbers? Where is the data? We don't care about your feelings or opinion. Well, in college football recruiting and transfer portal recruiting, it's the same way. And now they're finally starting to get on a piece of paper the ability to walk into a living room, sit down on a sofa, eat some casserole, and say, we've done this, we've done this, and they haven't done this and this since then, and we're doing it, come be a part of it, instead of previously when it was, you just got to believe. I can't show you anything. I hadn't been a head coach anywhere. You just got to believe. Well, finally, they're starting to get some They're starting to get some ammunition to take out there. And the thing about it is, it's great that it's happened two years in a row, but you don't load a roster up in two years. You certainly do not. And so I think there's still a little ways to go, but I'm giving them an A- minus as of this moment. I can't go that high on the next one. West Virginia is in a bad place. Bad, bad place. Neil Brown, I hate to do it, uh, but this is a D-. minus. This is about as bad a current Power 5 performances we're seeing out there. And so I asked producer Jesse, I know what I feel. Do the numbers back it up? And he said, uh, you may want to go lower than D-. minus." Jesse's cutthroat, man. Cutthroat. Ever since he almost beat me in ping pong the other night, he got a little different attitude around the office. See you in about an hour, Jesse. Uh, so listen to this. We always want to set a baseline, right? We always want to define what the expectation should be at a program. And sometimes fans are getting mad, and the reality is their expectation level's too high. That is not the case. If you're a West Virginia fan and you're mad, you should be mad. Neil Brown arrives in 2019, okay? The previous 16 years, 2002 to 2018, West Virginia appeared in the AP Top 25. 16 of those 17 years. They have not been there since. They have not appeared in the Top 25 a week since then. That's nowhere near good enough. They were next to last in scoring offense and defense this past year. They were last in the Big 12 in turnover margin and points off turnovers. They're 3-12 and under Brown versus top 25 teams. They got one winning season in his tenure, and that was the COVID year in 2020. That's, that's D-minus level performance. I don't know what else to say. I would love to say something different. Neil Brown was at Troy when I was still down in Columbus, Georgia. Everyone spoke glowingly of him. Everyone loved him. He was a hot name in coaching circles even then. And so, if anything, I kind of default over to the side of pulling for him. But that's not how job approval ratings work. It's not whether I like you. It's not whether I think maybe one day you'll, you'll pull your program out of it. Frankly, I thought he was going to be gone. Um, it's not necessarily the kind of segment I do on the show. I talk about it when it's happened. I don't really call for many coaches' jobs. But... I, I thought he was going to be gone. Most people in the industry did, and he's not. 
he he's there for at least another year. I mean, unless something happens really late in the cycle. So D minus. If anyone wants to talk me off that ledge, feel free. But man, uh, there were there were there were voices in the building that wanted me to go lower than that. So tough. I have something so delicious planned for you in just a second. They're watching us in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which also made up a majority of my wardrobe when I was a youth. They're watching us in Montgomery, Alabama. Shout out Bradley. They're watching us in Seattle, Washington. Shout out Hart. Thank you, wherever you're watching us tonight. Okay. We got a tweet? Yeah, we do. Sorry, Colin. It's been, it's been a little while since we prepared this. All right, someone hit us up on Twitter. And by someone, I mean hundreds and hundreds of you. Emery just happened to have his selected. Here's the tweet. Late kick for life. I agree so far. He continues. I never miss a live show. Thank you, Emery. And then he continues even further. I'm sure you heard the leaked audio from Kirby Smart's pregame speech. I've been wondering what your thoughts are on that. Keep up the great work in 2023. From Calhoun, Georgia. I soften the G sometimes just for added effect. What are we talking about here? Most of you, I think, know what I'm talking about. But there's this thing that happens. There are things in our lives that happen sometimes that are triggers. Not negative triggers. No trigger warning on the show tonight. These are all positive triggers. These are the kinds of triggers that happen and a smile pops on your face. For example, growing up in Harris County, someone call it, some people call it Harassment County. I call it Harris County. Back home in Harris County, we did not have the ice cream truck. So you would have to go down the road to Columbus to hear the ice cream truck. And hearing the music from the ice cream truck is a really big positive trigger for a kid. The thing about it is I noticed when I became 23 years old, eh, I still like to hear it, but it did not impact me like it did when I was seven. So some of the positive triggers in life you grow out of. However, being in this particular business, I have learned there are a couple of positive triggers with grown men that never go away. One of them is locker room access. If we can ever give you locker room access, you eat it up. Doesn't matter whether you're 12 or 92, you'll eat it up. And the other one is coaches using swear words. If we could play that for you, people, you might as well blur their midsection, man. They can't stand up for 10 minutes. And I know I'm getting a little graphic here, but not nearly as graphic as Kirby Smart got. There is some conjecture as to when this audio happened. Kirby Smart himself says this is not before the national championship game. I happen to think this is before the Tennessee game, but no matter which game it's before, get ready, folks. TVMA warning. Let's play the leaked audio. Trust your So that's the leaked audio, and predictably, grown men had a field day with it. I mean, ear-to-ear -ear smiles. It's, it's the same way as when you figured out, when you were 10 years old, that your parents' cable plan had come with three free months of Cinemax, and you were up at 11.45 p.m., and what happened on Cinemax at 11.45 was made clear to you for the first time. That is how... Georgia fans from Clayton to Valdosta felt when they heard that. And I don't know what the science is behind it. I can't necessarily explain it, but grown men go crazy when they hear other grown men, particularly authoritative grown men, use bad language. So that's what Kirby Smart did. Now, I had some others in our midst say, well, no wonder Georgia won the game. My goodness, how could you lose with that? And I asked them, 
in response, what did the speech have to do with a, a game? And uh, that's when I realized there was a little more to this. Um, I, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade, okay? Because I've been in locker rooms before just like you have. I've heard speeches like that, which are uh, contrary to popular belief, very routine. And I've heard them before we win games, and I've heard them before we lose games. And I always wondered, how in the world do people think a speech impacts play on the field? There are two variables. At least when, when I have participated in athletic competition, there are two variables that that close to a game you can still impact. And number one is intensity level, and number two is focus. Your game plan's already done. Okay, preparation is not being impacted in a pregame speech. Execution is not being impacted in a pregame speech. Has nothing upon nothing upon nothing to do with it. It can help if the audio leaks in recruiting. It can help in marketing if the audio leaks, which is why your boy here is very skeptical that those are leaks to begin with. I would never accuse them of such things. But I will say this. Focus and intensity are things that you can still grab someone by the shirt collar 15 minutes before a game and slightly alter. You know, because the preparation is contingent upon those two variables being in place. There's an intensity level, especially when you play at the level Georgia does. There's this place you have to get in your head. There's a place where high-level competitors get. It's just this perfect fuel of the moment and adrenaline and athletic skill that when you combine it and you pour it out, you can do things that very, very few other humans on the planet can do. And you can operate at a level that very, very few other humans on the planet can operate at. And when you combine that with elite preparation and game planning that that coaching staff has done to put you in a position to perform and you're focused and you have the proper A-level intensity, well, that's how you splatter people 65 to 7. That's how you suffocate people like they did against Tennessee. I don't really particularly know where the audio came from. My guess is the Tennessee game. But make no mistake, what Georgia did on the field that afternoon or what they did last Monday night had nothing to do with the speech. It has to do with all the stuff that's happening on Tuesday you don't see and Wednesday you don't see and on a random Thursday afternoon in the middle of August that you don't see, that's when they beat Tennessee. That's when they beat TCU. It isn't a speech. That stuff, in my mind, that stuff is halfway more geared towards coaches getting their own head right as opposed to players. But if you can grab a player mentally, and if you can up the level of intensity someone's about to play at by 6%, 7%, then great. Pre-game speech accomplished everything it's supposed to accomplish. But what I sometimes do not take into account, this is certainly not a knock on anyone. Most people did not play college football. Most people will never play in the NFL. And most people really never played collegiate or pro sports, period. And um, maybe you're just not aware that's what goes on. Well, that goes on uh, pretty much everywhere, guys. Maybe the phrasing's a little bit different. There are, some, there are some guys out there that you see sitting next to you on the church pew on Sunday mornings who operate in a very similar fashion because there is just a way that you have to go about getting 17 to 22-year-old kids into the proper mind space. And it's not always by reading inspirational quotes, shall I say. And so Kirby Smart has won back-to-back -back national championships. That much we know. There's something else I think I know. It's not necessarily because of his pregame speeches. Now, that is a theory that I'm going to have to operate on. But there's one more thing that I know. Meemaw would not approve of that. And I don't think Meemaw's the only one who wouldn't approve of it, you know? So Kirby Smart, look, he can look his players in the eyes. But there is coming a day where he walks into a convenience store in, like, Dahlonega, Georgia, and there's this old lady that's standing behind him in line, and he pays for his phone charger and his Diet Coke, and he turns around and he sees her, and she looks at him, and she just goes, mm, mm, mm. quote Hulk Hogan for a second time in the show. Then what you going to do, brother? What you going to do when those old ladies up and down I-75 are shaking their head at you? Hey, another. That's another cost of doing business in college football. Ryan Day, we just talked about it with him. That's a cost of doing business in college football. Let's move on, shall we? Colin, thank you again for the, the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into editing that soundbite. Um, I've got four mystery programs here. We did this the other night, and I come to find out I got four more of them that I really don't know what to expect. Now, this is not a negative segment. It's not a positive segment. It's kind of an either-or when I'm throwing these programs at you, it means I really don't know what to expect. 
in the immediate future, and one of them is Auburn. The Auburn Tigers killing it, kind of, in the transfer portal right now. And got a new head coach in Hugh Freeze, and it's the fourth head coach in the past 10 years there. Certainly, that's not the model of stability. And so there are plenty of reasons why you could look at Auburn and you could say, oh, I don't expect anything in the immediate future. But then there's this, this other side of the proverbial coin where you can look around and you can say, well, if, if Hugh Freeze won, it wouldn't be the first time he's done it in the SEC. And if Hugh Freeze won, it wouldn't be the first time a head coach has taken over a program and just out of nowhere, uh, think Sonny Dykes, for example, has taken them to all kinds of unforeseen heights. So there's a lot potentially in the cards. I have no clue. Like Robbie Ashford. Robbie Ashford has not exactly dented the college football record books to this point in his career. And yet, if you were to show me a, a fast forward to November and Robbie Ashford's putting up all kinds of ridiculous numbers you never expected, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me because he's a really good athlete and he's playing for a guy who has made stars out of those kinds of players before. You're also in a situation right now where Alabama, at least over the past season, did not exactly perform at the level we thought they would. LSU is your most recent Western Division champ, so there's not necessarily a, a stranglehold that any one program has on the division. There's certainly still a pole position, and that is still the University of Alabama. But all that, there's some good, there's some bad. Hey, really all I have to tell you is it's Auburn. Volatility is the name of the game down there. But they are doing, via the transfer portal, what they need to do to get ready for this year. You know, because really no one wants to hear just wait till 2025. Just wait till 2025. Mm, what about 2023, 2024? That's what we're interested in. Uh, we have to go to Des Moines, Iowa. Chris Hassel country, if you will. I, I knew Kirk Ferentz had been at Iowa a long time. Anyone who watches college football, you know, basically like death, taxes, Kirk Ferentz, that whole, that whole mantra. He's been there a long time. I didn't realize how long he's been in Iowa. If you were to just have to guess, minus the benefit of Wikipedia, how long do you think Kurt Ferentz has been in Iowa? What would your guess be? 10 years, 20 years? What would your guess be? Here's the answer. 1999 is when he got there. Kurt Ferentz was preparing for Y2K at the same job he's still at today. That guy's been there since 1999. That's a long time. It's a long time to just be alive, period. It's a very long time to hold a major head coaching position. And yet I've always looked at the program and I felt it's one of the models of stability in college football. So why in the world is it in a segment on Late Kick in the year of our Lord 2023 about mystery programs? Well, this program's kind of a mystery right now. Because I don't think you could suck water through a garden hose offensively like they just did. Make no coordinator change. And look at me and say, ah, we'll be fine. No, you won't. No, you won't. This is historic ineptitude offensively. Seven to seven. What does that sound like? Well, it sounds like a, it sounds like a Mets versus Phillies game in the, in the middle of the eighth inning. Seven to seven was the touchdown to interception ratio for Iowa quarterbacks. Not in November. Not in a game, in the entire season, they threw seven touchdown passes and seven interceptions. You may think, well, that's just because Iowa runs the ball, Josh. No, Iowa doesn't run the ball. They ran it 2.92 yards per carry this year. So basically, if defense wasn't scoring, Iowa wasn't scoring. Now, that wouldn't be the first time that an offense has sucked. It is pretty rare, though, that you perform like that and then the same guy who was at the helm comes back. And it's even more rare that it happens to be the head coach's son. And so I don't want to cry nepotism. Far be it for me to cry that. But there is an episode of The Office titled Nepotism. And what happens there is Michael hires his nephew, and it's a slippery slope to him physically spanking him and getting reprimanded by HR. So I'm not telling Kirk Ferris to do anything that's going to get him in hot water with HR. I'm just saying that's not good enough. And Iowa, as a result, has slipped into the realm of mystery programs for the time being. I don't want to do the next part either. It's another program I like. But Arkansas is kind of a mystery to me at the moment. They just, it went 9-4 and four in 2021. There's no mystery about that. That's a really, really good season. 
uh, three of the four losses were to ranked teams. Really, really good season. Okay, you draw Georgia, you draw Bama, and you are in the position they were in. I don't expect much from you. Just win the other games, and they pretty much did. And so they were coming into this past year, and there was a lot of hype around the program, as there should have been. I felt it. I contributed to it, and they went 7-6. and six. Devil is always in the details. Uh, K.J. Jefferson was either out or not 100% for most of the year. I thought it, obviously, it cost them when they lost that game to Texas A&M. A game that they very much, in my mind, should have won because they put themselves in the position. They should have executed at a better level. I know they didn't. I rarely use the phrase should have won because the follow-up naturally is, well, if they should have won, they would have won. And you're not wrong when you say that. I'm just saying if I play that game 10 times, they're winning it more than five of them. But be that as it may, they lost that day. And things were never right since then. There were issues internally up there this year. I didn't speak about them during the season. It's not the season anymore. I don't think internally the locker room was handled in the best way imaginable. I think they had some issues internally that probably caused a lot of dissension, and it's not all on players. Some of it was on staff. Uh, Part of that is not there anymore because some of those players and staff have either moved on or been unceremoniously let go. There were were a lot of things going on up there, not the least of which were injuries. And so they ended seven and six. Now, I could sell you both ways. I could sell you that nine and four, maybe you should have enjoyed that because that's the best you're going to see. I could also sell you that this was a blip on the radar screen and they'll be right back. And the reason I am doing this segment right now is because I am conflicted and I don't know which way I go on this. There's some staff churn happening there. Barry Odom, defensive coordinator, he went to UNLV. So Travis Williams came in. It's an interesting hire. It's a hire that raised some eyebrows for good reasons around the SEC. Kendall Bryles' name is still in the rumor mill at places like TCU. I don't know what's going to happen there. I owe him a Pate State t-shirt. I know that. But I don't know what's going to happen there. And um, strength and conditioning is being overhauled there. They're bringing in a new strength and conditioning coach. That's a very, very underreported, but very important aspect of your program. So at least two of those facets, if not all three, we'll see what happens with Bryles, are changing up there. Now, the good news is your quarterback's coming back. I keep doing that because I have have an itch on the top of my lip. Uh, The quarterback's coming back. K.J. Jefferson's coming back. Hopefully, with full health, it's a mystery program. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And lastly, I have to do like an extended two or three year mystery period on this one. Virginia Tech, that's a cool looking plane. Uh, Virginia Tech, there's, there's the Virginia Tech young JP remembers. And then there's the Virginia Tech that exists today. We got a really big high school and college audience. So let me talk to you guys for a second. Take care of business in spring semester is my first message to you. And my second message is, There was a time when this VT logo meant a whole lot more in the college football world than it does right now. They were a national power. That team right there was in the national championship conversation. They were in the national championship game one year. An ugly one, a 13-2 game, I believe, was the final. But they were in one, and um, not so much anymore. Hey, Jesse, check that for me, because if I got that score wrong, if I got my years wrong, Someone's going to jump on me. So the year that, that Vic and Virginia Tech were in the title game, just go check the score for me. Because I think Oklahoma FSU may have been that 13-2 game. Anyway, it's true they were in the title game. 
they are nowhere remotely close to being in the same galaxy. They're light years away from that kind of conversation right now. But I don't know what to make of them because they just made a staff change. Brent Pry's been there one year. They just went three and eight. That is the worst record they've put up since 1992. So they got that going against them. I guess you do have the good old-fashioned, there's nowhere to go but up going for them. 2000 title game. What was the score? 46-29. It was FSU, right? FSU. Okay, so, so they scored more than two. Congrats. Uh, they still lost. Also, children, if you never watched Michael Vick in college, do yourself a favor and go watch that as well. So, it is always the darkest before the dawn. Well, scratch that. Sometimes it's the darkest before the dawn. Other times it's dark just because you've been buried and you're not coming back. And I hope that's not the case for the Virginia Tech program. But, uh, man, it feels like there is a ways to go there right now. It's a mystery. It is a great mystery. Uh, Do me a favor as we roll on the show tonight. Please remember, if you're watching live, and I appreciate you guys for doing so, uh, remember to like the video. About a quarter of you have liked the video right now. I think, personally, we can do a lot better. So that little thumbs up button, just click it. And subscribe to the channel. And you know what? I haven't asked you to do this in a while. So, So there's a fresh batch of you that are in here as new listeners and viewers. We are not above. Not stealing, but commandeering the phones of loved ones when they are least suspecting i.e. when they're asleep, and subscribing to the channel. You know why? Because it's not spending any of their money. It doesn't hurt them. It just benefits us. It is a victimless, not even a crime per se, a victimless action. All right, let's move on. We have another question here, don't we? We've got two things left to talk about. So <laughs> I am, there's no way I'm saying this handle on air. Mike hit us up. He said, watching you since 2020, What would you say are the things most overlooked when it comes to winning in college football from Hopkinsville, Kentucky? Good question. I got a couple answers for you. One of them, we were just talking about Kirby Smart a little while ago. One of them Kirby talked about in his postgame at the National Championship. And the other one is just right there in your face every Saturday, but it doesn't get talked about for some reason. The first one is the depth that is required to have really, really good scout teams. So after the championship game, Kirby Smart, I think it was right at the end of his press conference, and he said, hold up, hold up, hold up. And he just goes on this this lengthy explanation about how he thinks their scout team gave them as good a look of TCU as TCU themselves. And that's not easy, and that's rare, and it's because most of the time you don't have uh, the kind of number one support staff to where you have quality enough coaches to get your scout team ready. You also probably don't have good enough players on your scout team in most cases. In 95% of the cases, you just don't have good enough players over there. So so it's more like moving punching bags. Uh, That was not the case. At places like Georgia, they're so good, they're so deep, they can afford to put a really, really good look on scout team. And you never know that. That's happening in closed practice sessions. Uh, You wouldn't know those guys' names even if it was open to the public. But that's real. That gets you ready. Quality looks on scout teams get you ready. And when you watch these teams that execute at a higher level and they just they happen to be a fraction ahead of where you would think they should be filling that hole or they happen to set the edge over there or they happen to play a ball in the air and they just get a fingertip on it. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's a good read. Sometimes it's instinct. Sometimes it's called scout team got them ready for it. And in many cases, it's just all of the above. That's one of them. The other one is special teams in general. A quick drill here for you. When I say special teams, what do you think about? What's the first thing that just pops in your mind? Someone says special teams. You think what? My opinion, we have not run this poll, but my opinion is if I were to say special teams, most of you would think of a field goal. You would think of someone kicking a football, either via extra point or via field goal, trying to kick a ball through an upright, which is part of special teams. Uh, but it's certainly not all of special teams. A lot of folks say you have to win in all three phases. And a lot of folks say there are three phases to football. Offense, defense, special teams. They just rattle it off. And far fewer people believe that. Many people tell you there are three phases, and then they spend 99% of their oxygen talking about offense and defense, and special teams just kind of, eh, Well, if that's your attitude, you really don't believe there are three phases. You certainly don't believe there are three equal phases. 
And uh, when you're around college staffs and NFL staffs, the difference between maybe casual fans and them is they do believe in it. They full well understand, and they know this about special teams as well. It's not just kicking a football. Coverage units are instrumental. Your punting team, instrumental. Field position's the name of the game. You know, you score, and you ultimately win college football games by scoring in sevens and preventing the other guy from scoring in sevens. We talk about special teams, and you think about kicking field goals. You don't win this game by threes. They assist you. They may supplement you. But you win by scoring sevens and preventing the other guy from scoring sevens. And the way you do that is partially through special teams. It's just field position. You know, you could go three for three, kicking field goals, and get drugged 49-21. Well, you probably wouldn't score 21 if you kicked three field goals. But it could be that elsewhere in the game, you got pinned deep. You don't possess the ability to cough and corner a kick down there. You just keep kicking it out of the back of the end zone. Your coverage units are terrible. So they give up plus field position virtually every time the opponent's on the field. They got plus 20 yards on you in average starting field position. And those are called hidden yards because they're not in the box score. But on the scoreboard, when it looks a little wonky and the spread was three and that team lost by three touchdowns, sometimes it's caused the special teams and you don't even know it. Unless you really, really take a dive into the box score, the advanced box score, or you watch the whole thing with an observed and informed eye. Special teams, that's a huge deal. And it's so much deeper than kicking. So to answer the question, I guess, my answer is special teams and then quality looks on scout team during the week. Good question, though. Probably a lot better question when we get coaches on here in the next uh, couple of months. We are lining that up as we speak. All right, lastly... You know what we have to do? We cannot get out of here in good conscience without looking at some of the predictions you made from August. August was prediction season, but it's boring when I do it. I asked you to do it, and I said, pretend your life, well, your life savings are on the line. What is the boldest thing you would bet your money on? And someone hit it out of the park right out of the gate here. Uh, this prediction... Tennessee finally beats Alabama after 16 years, and I get to remove the suffering part out of my name. That was submitted by Suffering Tennessee Fan, who has since just become Garden Variety Tennessee Fan, I'm told. Congratulations there. This was surreal. We were there. We were on the field. Director Collin was there. Yes, I couldn't tell you at the time because, frankly, I don't want you to know he exists, but he existed. Collin was very real that day, as was Vol Nation, as was those... Well, the upright just ended up in the river, and yours truly ended up toting another one and got video of it. There was priceless video. And there were countless memes and gifts that came out of this occurrence. And so when we're showing you B-roll of the Tennessee-Bama game, you'll notice sometimes it ends up being cell phone video. Well, that's because Director Colin and I had our phones out. I think Dennis Dodd got some footage and sent it to us as well. But this was, uh, this was really, really wild. So I don't know if I told you this story. There were a lot of people who had to be treated for smoke inhalation. Uh, this will just send Tennessee fans over the top. Just exuberance. Six months later, or however long it's been. We're in an outdoor facility, mind you. And the cigar smoke is so thick on the field. And people are compacted so tightly on the field. This is iJosh footage, by the way. People are compacted so tightly that they had to treat people for smoke inhalation. Who would have seen that coming in August? Well, I'll tell you, suffering Tennessee fan on Twitter saw it coming. Maybe not to that degree, but he slash she saw it coming. Congratulations. For the record, I called that an eight. I didn't think it was going to happen, and it happened. I was wrong. Hopefully for the last time, I was wrong. Next up, the national championship game, according to Grayson, was going to feature two teams that had never been in the playoff. Now, you may look at it and say, oh, he almost got it. No, he didn't. No, one out of two versus two out of two is a very, very big difference. And the fact of the matter is, it's hard to get one of them in there, historically, that's never been in the playoff. You're asking someone who's never been to the playoff to get in and win a game and make the title. Well, TCU did it. You know, Michigan, for example, is still trying to do this. Michigan did it. Or uh, TCU, rather, did it, and they did it on the first time around. Problem is, they ran into something called Georgia who's been there, done that, and just did it again. Did you hear what I just said? Jesse, Colin, you been there, done that, did it again. 
is better than the t-shirt Stetson Bennett was wearing the other day. People made such a big deal about the t-shirt he was wearing in the celebration. Been there, done that, did it again. TM, trademark, that's mine. That's, that's legally binding. That's ours. Um, so this didn't almost happen, okay, to get back to the prediction. This did not almost happen. Good for Grayson, really bold, a little bit too bold. Making the playoff and being in the title game, there's a wide expanse between doing one versus doing the other. All right, next up, uh, this one missed, or no, this one did not miss. The prediction from Jameson was Clemson going to have the same disappointing years last year. They will not make the ACC championship game. Well, Clemson made the ACC championship game. And frankly, they weren't all that special as a team this year. Frankly, they had quarterback situations all year. And frankly, it still didn't matter because the ACC is a landfill until further notice. And it was again this year. Pretty inexplicable, but it is what it is. Clemson's been to that game every year since 2015 except one. They've won it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven out of the last eight years, including this past year. They won it. So even if Florida State would have beaten them, I think mathematically they still go. So it was never even in doubt. So this one was this one was dead on the vine, as Meemaw would say. Next up, this one didn't come close either. I put a 9.3 on this next one on the boldness scale for a reason. Minnesota, here's the prediction. Minnesota goes 11-1. They win the Big Ten West. They take Ohio State to the wire in the Big Ten Championship. Whatever. Um, no. And they had a good year. But 11-1 was not happening. They were 9-4. Bradley walks in earlier today. You don't know Bradley. I'm trying to slowly introduce him to you. Frankly, he's not a producer, so he doesn't even deserve the right to have his name mentioned on the show. So, anonymous employee who hails from Montgomery, Alabama, walks into the office earlier today. He says, you know who Minnesota was this year? They were the Oregon State of the Big Ten. And it was the most profound thing he's ever said. Because we sat there, and we thought about it. He said, yeah, yeah, you, you get it. He couldn't leave well enough alone. He had to explain himself. And he, he made a good point, though. He said, yeah, Oregon State, you know, good team, but pretty anonymous. Like, not many people knew much about him even after the season was over. And likewise with Minnesota. Did you know they went 9-4? and four? Most of you didn't. They won the Pinstripe Bowl. Coveted. Very coveted. They won the Pinstripe Bowl. And so at the end, boom, 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 they were knocking on the door of double-digit wins. What they were not doing is knocking on the door of pushing Ohio State to the wire in the Big Ten title game. For a couple of reasons, as it turns out. How about this last one? I don't really know what to make of this one. Because it technically did not hit, but it kind of should still count, I think. This is about LSU. Michael said, LSU will make a New Year's Six Bowl game. We've never lacked talent except at the coaching level. Now we have that. So much of this is accurate. Michael deserves so much credit. Because mind you, we had someone else predict they were going to finish last in the West, which means we just ran the gamut of wild LSU predictions in August. They didn't make it. They didn't make a New Year's Six game. But here's the thing. They went to the SEC Championship. They beat Alabama, who did make a New Year's Six game. And so even though they went to the Citrus Bowl, I think it was, they, they kind of were a New Year's Six team. Oh, and by the way, they went and they just committed an outright felony against Purdue in the bowl game. 63-7. to Drew Brees thought he wanted a part of that. And Drew Brees realized about midway through the first quarter, this is not for me. I need to go find a sideline in the pro game. I need to go find a broadcast booth. I do not need to be over here right now. Ouch, ouch, ouch. And LSU didn't even apologize. So technically, this is a loss. Technically, he didn't get it right. But I think we need to executive override this. I, I think Michael just needs, he needs to get a gold star anyway. I think he got it right anyway. Good show tonight. Over an hour, yet again. Two pieces of news, Jesse tells me. All right, hold on just a second. Let me fix my earpiece. All right, from Jesse's lips into my ear, ooh, to, your, to your ears. Here we go. Go ahead, Jesse. Okay. Per Brandon Huffman. Jaden Rashada, this is big news. Jaden Rashada has officially filed a request to be released from his letter of intent 
with the University of Florida. Now, Jesse, let me ask you this. For someone who doesn't exist, I'm leaning on you pretty heavily right now. Do we know if Florida has granted it yet? Jesse, this is called dead air. Jesse does not believe so. Okay, so what we know is Jaden Rashada has done what it was rumored he did this past week, and that is officially request his release. You'll remember Zach Evans found himself in a predicament kind of sort of on the surface similar to this. You know, Zach Evans, he just played for Ole Miss because he transferred there from TCU. Once upon a time, Evans committed to Georgia. Remember that? And signed with Georgia. The reason you don't remember that, in all likelihood, is because he immediately requested a release and was granted a release. And Georgia basically said, goodbye. But we're done with that. Uh, so Jaden Rashada signed letter of intent with Florida. Now wants out. I uh, have a prediction for you. I think we'll be talking about this on the Thursday show. Now, Jesse, didn't you have two pieces of breaking news? Okay, the other piece of breaking news. Hold on, I'll let you know what he says in a second. Wait a second, wait a second. So this hits very close to home. For You know what, I'm not going to say that on air. Um, Matt Weiss, is that who it is? Coach at Michigan. Co-offensive coordinator at Michigan, Matt Weiss. Placed on administrative leave, yeah? For computer-related crimes. Computer access crimes at Schembechler Hall. Two thoughts. Number one... Uh, that is the least informed aspect of society that I uh, have, have knowledge of. So I'm going to rely on some of our crack hacking experts in the late kick community to inform me as to what that means. Number two, if there's ever any doubt that we air this show live, we just disprove it. There you go. 8.04 Central Standard Time, two pieces of breaking news. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I don't know what to say. A computer access crime at Schembechler Hall. What an eventful week for the University of Michigan. Harbaugh's gone. He's staying. He won't acknowledge the AD. Someone's hacking inside Beckler Hall. Maybe. And he happens to be your co-offensive coordinator. Go blue. Go blue. And go us. Right to the ping pong table. Because that's what we do after shows now. For Director Colin. For Producer Jesse. For our entire crew here. I'm Josh Pate. We'll see you back here same time Thursday night. Until then, take care. And God bless. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. <laughs> And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.